This is the Horse Radio Network. Greetings, everyone. Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily, episode 1421, brought to you today by American Harvest. Today's tip is an excerpt from the Horsemanship Radio Show here on Horse Radio Network, where host Debbie Laux chats with Monty Roberts, legendary horseman and her dad, about the design features of the snaffle bit. And we'll get right to our tip after we hear from American Harvest. What if adding just one product to your feed regimen could help your horse recover faster from a show, get relief from inflammation, reduce his nerves, and ease his digestion? If any of those benefits sound appealing to you, then check out American Harvest Premium Hemp Extracts and Equine Hemp Pellets. American Harvest's natural equine hemp pellets are vet-formulated and produced from natural hemp. The palatable pelleted formula is manufactured with potent raw CBD using no chemical processing, so your horse will love the taste as much as you'll love the benefits. If you prefer a liquid application, check out American Harvest's THC-free CBD oil or premium hemp extract, which provides CBD from hemp extract. Look for the full line of American Harvest products at your local equine shop, any Hubbard dealer, or online at store.altech.com. And right now, American Harvest is offering an exclusive giveaway for you, Horse Radio Network listeners. One lucky listener will receive a free 90-day supply of American Harvest equine products. Check out today's show notes for details on how to enter. Monty Roberts now on the best features of a snaffle bit and why. All right, I have a rare opportunity here uh, to get inside the brain of Monty. Good morning, Dad. Good morning. I'm happy to talk to you today about design. We've been talking about the why that you do things. And um, then, of course, there's always those extrinsic moments. There are those pieces of equipment that you use consistently around the world. And probably more obvious is your lack of using equipment. There's very few things that you really uh, tell us that this is your design and very purposefully use in different ways. And you've got your snaffle in your hand, I see. Yeah, and I I tell you that all of us have uh, favorite ways to go, and we might be slightly different from one another. But I have to say that the design of my snaffle bits is the proudest change that I've made from the normal snaffle bit that you will see around the world. And we'll try to describe that for you today. Yeah. So I see in your hand you've got, uh, well, it's definitely black iron, but it is that is the mouthpiece, and you have stainless steel rings with your fingers through it. So if uh, you had to describe a snaffle bit in a traditional sense, it's broken in the middle in this case, and but it's not quite in the middle, is it? No, it's not quite in the middle. And uh, to be honest with you, the first time <clears throat> that the builders of my snaffle bit sent one back, I thought it was a mistake because one side is a little shorter than the other side. And I want it to break in the middle. Well, the only way you can get a snaffle bit to break in the middle because of the looping factor at the center of it is to make one side a little shorter than the other. Mm -hmm. Um, One side has a lesser distance to travel 
in the mouth of the horse than the other. So that's a unique feature. 99% of all the snaffle bits commercially produced have mouthpieces that are the same length one to the other, which then doesn't allow them to break in the center of the horse's mouth. So they're slightly offset. And I prefer the center of the horse's mouth. There's a trivia question for you when you go into a tech uh, shop. So um, I noticed, too, that where the mouthpiece meets the ring, you have a particular type of fit on that. What is that? Yeah, that's called a modified egg butt. And an egg butt just means that that part that touches the corners of the horse's mouth looks a little bit like an egg. And um, you will see snaffle bits hanging on the walls of the tack shops with a great big, almost full-sized egg. Mine is uh, maybe a third of that size. But what it does is that it produces a flat surface to reach to the corners of the horse's mouth so that when you pull one rein or the other, the bit doesn't pull through to the corner and jam down on a small mouthpiece. It has a blunt uh, 90% 90-degree elevation uh, up and down from the corner of the horse's mouth. It's a little hard to describe, but if you get one of them or if you see a picture of one of them, you'll see what I mean about giving the horse a blunt surface at the corner of their mouth, rather than just two bars joining together and it pulls into the corner of the mouth, creating oftentimes significant sores in the corner of the horse's mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you say to somebody who says full cheek? There's this not a full cheek snaffle, and why is that? Well, a full cheek snaffle uh, would mean that it has it has a snaffle mouthpiece, but an up and down cheek joining it so that you have leverage in the horse's mouth. And that's not what we're after in the early stages of training a horse. Or in fact, if you're just brushing up and doing some things with a horse that's eight or nine years old, you might put a snaffle. I often ride my horse is in a snaffle uh, right up to the teenage years once in a while. And you can use a full-on adult bit, if you will call it that, <clears throat> with a cheek piece um, for those horses that have been trained for, let's say, more than a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's an important point that you just said. What cases do you find yourself putting a snaffle bit back in the mouth of a nearly fully trained horse. Well, when you have a cheek that yields pressure to the horse's mouth when you pull the rein, um, let's say the horse starts showing you that he's frightened of something. I can think of a time when uh, we had a pig and the pig was in the pen next to the arena there. I don't know why we had the pig, but we had the pig for some reason. And the smell of the pig and the sound of the pig and the sight of the pig was frightening to a lot of horses that were older. 
So they would bolt away, you know, and you're trying to get them used to the pig and have them travel past the pig's pen without all that trauma. And um, if you have cheeks on it, you're going to be pulling the horse around with a lot of pressure on their mouth that they really don't deserve. So the snaffle bit is a good way to go just to guide them without pressure on their mouth and save those tender nerves in there to be a light mouth, one that responds to the cheek bit um, with just a touch. So the snaffle, in my opinion, stays with me for a lot of years uh, with any horse that I ride and count on uh, because it, it saves the nerves of the horse's mouth. Yeah, beautiful. So there's a very important part that you taught us about with every horse that's an advantage, and that's the copper inlay that you have down in that black iron bit. Yes. First of all, when I was a child, um, I had to clean all the bits. And they came back from the Second World War with... uh, these cavalry bits that were stainless steel. And as a child, I thought, oh, man, this is terrific. Uh, Stainless steel doesn't get rusty and everything, um, and it's easier to clean. So this is going to be good. And then I noticed a downturn in the behavior of the horses with a stainless steel bit in their mouth. They didn't like it. It's colder. It's more unforgiving, um, where the rusty bit, they like it. It's warmer, it's forgiving, and it's much more tolerable in the horse's mouth. So, yes, you see my bit that I designed in black iron. And I must tell you that I believe I led the world in putting snaffle bits in horses' mouths with black iron again in, let's say, the 50s. And I watched as they created a thing called the snaffle bit futurity for the Western horses. And first you saw three out of 50 horses with the black iron. And then you saw 10 and then 20 and then 30. And now you just don't see a stainless steel snaffle bit in the horse's mouths at the snaffle bit futurity. They will, virtually every bit will be uh, rusty. And so I put a stainless steel ring on the outside so that any judge looking at it or it looks nicer because it's clean and everything. But in their mouth, you'll see they get what they want. And that's a rusty bit, um, softer, more yielding kind of metal than the stainless steel is. So the stainless steel is for people and the black iron's for the horse. You could say that, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, and saliva is super important, moisture in the horse's mouth. Yeah, if you think about it, I mean, if we put something in our mouth that is just dry and, and tends to irritate the mouth, we don't like it so much. If we have moisture in our mouth, anything that we put in there will be better invited to be in the mouth than without moisture in the mouth. Moisture in the mouth is critically important. 
It, it helps the bars stay lubricated so that the bit glides over the bars and doesn't pull into the skin that's dry. So you want moisture in there. Now, how do you get moisture in that horse's mouth? You could take a squeeze bottle and put it in about every two or three minutes, and that would be ridiculous. But if you put a bit of copper inlaid so that there's no change in the diameter of your mouthpiece, it's smooth, nice and smooth, beautifully inlaid copper, the copper will generate moisture in the horse's mouth. Copper just does. For some reason, our body says send moisture when it tastes or feels copper. So it's the same with humans as it is with horses. And uh, so I have rings. The bit that I'm holding here has three copper rings on each side or six copper rings in the distance from the left side of the horse's mouth to the right side of the horse's mouth. You'll also notice if you look downward on my design bit that the bit mouthpiece itself is slightly curved. And it's slightly curved, if you'll notice, commensurate with the diameter of the lower mandibles or the joint, the bone of the horse's lower jaw. And so it rides over that jaw more comfortably than one that's straight, a straight snaffle, uh, straight across the horse's mouth. And yet you go into the tack shops and you will see straight snaffles straight across the horse's mouth with no curvature at all, one after another. Um, it's, it's getting a little better and they, they do give you choices now. But making the right choice is, is the critical thing here. And uh, I've designed a bit that I think is the epitome of a snaffle bit. And I, I've designed a lot of different things for horses and the training of horses. Um, the horses that won't go in the starting gate get a come along on. Uh, I only use that with students of mine um, that have already been trained on it because it's, it's something you want to be very careful for. But I've designed... Uh, Things about saddles that are better for me than most. And quite a few things, naturally, when you start showing horses in competition when you're four years of age. And as we speak today, I'm 86. So uh, in that period of time, you're going to see things that you want the way you want it. And uh, of all the things that I've changed... The snaffle bit is probably the most um, effective change that I've made in any piece of equipment. Yes, I have regular bits with, with black iron mouthpieces. That is to say they have jaws on them, correction bits if you want to call them, bits that create pressure when you, when you uh, pull on the rein with a curb strap as opposed to a snaffle bit which is just in the horse's mouth and uh, is a very forgiving way to ask the horse for directions and and for speed and for halting and all of the things that you ask a horse for with a uh, bit in his mouth. Um, the the rings in my bit that I've designed, the snaffle bit, are slightly a D shape, and there are D shaped snaffles all over the world.
most of which are straight out stainless steel because it's prettier. And that's why the cavalry loved it because they have to clean them up every day for the sergeant to go through and they get extra duty if they don't have a clean bit. So the stainless steel is nice for that. But the mouthpiece must, in my opinion, be black iron with inlaid copper. Mm-hmm. And black iron rust, as you said, too, which surprises people sometimes. Yeah, and they say, oh, they're rusty. You know, that's not good. Well, you ask your horse, and he'll say it's better. Yeah. Yeah. And the gauge, um, you tend to be a bigger around. Now, some people will go like, oh, isn't that that big gauge in their mouth something? Yeah, I've had so many people. um, I'm holding one here that's the smaller gauge of the two that I've designed. Um, I even have a thicker one. But people will look at it and say, oh, that's a big thing in his mouth. It's going to hurt. You think about it for a moment. What if we put a wire through his mouth? Ooh, that would hurt. It would cut right in. So the smaller gauge bits that you use are more punishing to the horse's mouth, tongue, and bars than the large gauge. And um, yes, you'd, I have two sizes because a small Arab horse would want the, the a little bit narrower gauge because they have such a tiny head and everything is tiny about them. But the quarter horse and most of the thoroughbreds, they much prefer the larger mouthpiece. It's more blunt. It doesn't dig into their tissues. Um, so you have to stop and, and, and be uh, very uh, discerning about this because the smaller the mouthpiece the more pressure there is in the horse's mouth. The more it hurts when you pull hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, concentrated on a smaller amount of flesh there, yeah. So what would you say to people who say, wow, Monty, why aren't you bitless altogether? You've got a dually halter, which has rings on both sides and can be used as a bitless bridle. Uh, why do you recommend a snaffle with a young horse or even the horse that is uh, relearning or learning new new things um, and that we've talked about today. So tell me about the, it's not just a graduating from this to this to this necessarily based on training, but tell us a little bit about your philosophy of bits in the mouth. Well, one could say if you look back at my career that I was much better with a hackamore on a horse than I was when they went into the bits. I won more. I won two world championships in the Hackamore division on the same horse with the same Hackamore. That's never been done before. So I I suppose you could call that some sort of a highlight of my career. So I don't mind using alternative things. My dually halter becomes something you can ride with. That's okay. But then there becomes a time when, A, you might want to show in competition and you have to use the bit that's approved for that competition. So teaching the horse to be guided by uh, directions from the mouth is absolutely essential. And um, also, the hackamore, the reason that I won two world championships with this horse in the hackamore that had never had a bit in his mouth was that 
he could take a lot of pressure on on the hackamore and and it didn't bother him he just keep keep working um i called him not so bright about that because most horses will learn how to lean into the pressure of a noseband and and those things that you would use that are bit alternatives um so eventually as the horse becomes an adult you need to go on with him in the bit the horse that I'm telling you about that won the two world championships was sold for a lot of money and then was put in the bit and never won a thing for the rest of his life. So I don't know um, whether being in the Hackamore that long was detrimental to him or not, but it didn't work to get him in the bit. But anyway, a bit is something that most people, and think about the amateur riders, using a, a noseband to do it requires a lot more technical skills in your hands than the bit does. And the bit should be a kind of an automatic transmission, if you will, that you can just pick up the left rein and guide the horse to go left and guide the horse to go right um, from the mouth so much easier than you can from the nose. It requires a good deal more ability and skill to to get a horse properly guided from the nose uh, or bands around the nose, any, any kind of bitless bridle you want to talk about. Um, you know, you can ride a horse with just a rope around his neck, but only for so long. And then pretty soon he says, you know, I don't have to do this because you can just pull my neck all you want. Well, that's just another step in the business of re- eventually requiring a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. And we should describe, name, name that horse that you won the two world championships in and describe a little bit about what that hackamore looked like because, you know, there's a lot of mechanical hackamore. There's a lot of different looking hackamores out there. Yeah, and this particular hackamore, which I preferred, stayed stiff and that's because it had a cable core inside of it. And then the rawhide that made up the hackamore was braided around the cable core. And um, that means you could come up to the chin. And what is the most important thing about any direction that you give a horse? It's release. The two factors in causing a horse to do anything you ask him to do is pressure and release. And the most important one of those is the release. And why is that? Because the horse is learning that if he does this willingly and quickly, bingo, he gets a release. So asking him to turn left or right is fine. You pick up the hackamore or the bit, and you bump his chin with the hackamore, or you touch his mouth with the bit, and he goes left or right as you're guiding him. But what is he going to keep doing that all the time? Well, you just keep pulling, and eventually he'll say, I'm not doing it, and he'll become what's called hard-mouthed um, or hard-nosed. And he will just say, to heck with you, I I don't get any release. 
But if he's quick to respond and give you the direction you're asking for, and you release just as quickly as he does it, then he says to himself, that's what I want to do. I don't want to be pulled on. I'll do whatever he asks me. And then we have to be fair. You can't go out there and ride a horse all day long and just keep pulling and, and cantering and have him dead tired. Uh, you, you have to be judicious about the requests that you make of a horse. And, and that, that horse should be observed closely to see, is he fit enough to do this? Uh, is he willing to do this? Is he happy doing this? You know, you can make a horse do almost anything you want them to. And you get tough enough, you can make them do it. But that isn't the answer. It's causing the horse to want to do it. So let them have some fun with it. And let them stop a little before they're too tired uh, to enjoy it. And um, you'll find your horses much more uh, reasonable to ride than horses that have been tugged on and punished and overworked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, a nice note to wrap up with. But I think we haven't said probably one of your more famous quotes, which is about the equipment, the most important piece of equipment that you use. Yeah. If you look in a tack room um, of a champion rider, and he's got 25, 30, I probably have 30 or 40 bits hanging up still at 86 years of age that I used, and some of them that are just precious old antique bits, you know, um, but you can go into a tack room and see bits and hackamores and halters and everything hanging up there. And then you ask yourself, what is the most important piece of, quip- of equipment in this tack room? And most people will point to something they like. But in every case, it's the hands that hold it. That's the most important thing. And... Uh, the brain that uses those hands has to be judicious about how long to do it, how hard to do it, how often to do it, how seldom to do it. You have to really watch the horse's reactions and finally get him to want to do it. Then you're going to be a good horse trainer. And that about wraps it up for today. Thanks for tuning in. And thank you to American Harvest for sponsoring today's episode. You can find lots of stuff from Monty Roberts at montyroberts.com. This is Coach Jen, and I'll be back again soon with another tip. Until then, go ride your horse. The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements made by guests on the Horse Tip Daily. Please use your own judgment when listening to the tips on this show. <laughs>